Good morning, Grace Free Church Online. I'm so happy that you could join us this morning. I know God's got you here for a reason. And I am beyond excited to have yet another opportunity to be up here on this stage and preaching yet again. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Josh, and I'm an intern here at Grace Free Church. And I am so excited to have this opportunity to jump right back in to our sermon series that we're doing called Hashtag Blessed. Now, throughout this series, what we've been doing is we've been diving into the Sermon on the Mount, the, the famous sermon, the famous teachings of Jesus. And we're, as we dive into this sermon, we're diving into what Jesus was teaching these huge crowds of people and his disciples. The tagline for this, what we're focusing on, is finding clarity and the good life through the words of Jesus. I mean, we're trying to find clarity, and that's what Jesus is providing with these teachings. He's providing us with clarity because clarity is what clears confusion. And we're trying to find the good life, not just a good life. We're trying to find the good life. And there is only one good life, and it's through Jesus, and it's following him, and it's following his teachings. And we're going to be diving into yet another one of these passages, another one of these teachings that he offers us. And let's just dive right into it. But before we do that, let's pray. Dear God, I thank you so much for this opportunity that you've given us uh, just to be here, just to listen to your word. And I pray, God, that you would help us to set aside any distractions uh, and that we would just take this time to directly focus on you. God, I pray that you'd work in all of our hearts. I pray that you would speak through me and that you would simply just use me as a vessel and that I would not get in your way of your word. God, help us to focus on you and make the most of this time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we're going to be diving into Matthew 7, verse 1. Now, this passage, this teaching that Jesus gives us, it's not an easy one to listen to. I mean, this passage, this is one, it's a hard message to listen to. This isn't one that you, you're very quick to jump to your feet and give in here. No, this, it's a hard one. And the reason it's so hard is because I think it's just one that we all relate to so much. And when you read into this passage, it can be so convicting. The passage that we are diving into today is the judging passage in Matthew 7. And I think... When we look at society today, I feel like judging others is something that is, has been, it's been happening a lot. We've been, we've been good at it. The, the title of the sermon is called Hashtag Judge Much. And it's something that we do much. It's something we do often. But what, what we need is clarification. And that's what Jesus provides for us. He clarifies on what judging others actually looks like, what it should look like. And I think that's something that we really need right now in this world today. Now, with, with this message, what we have structured, there's going to be two big points, right? And we're going to be following these two big points from this passage. And with these two big points, they're not only big points, but they're also steps. And it's step one and step two. And we're going to break each of them down and what each of them look like. And we're going to dive into this passage. So we're just going to read through this entire passage. And then after we do that, we'll dissect it together. So Jesus says here in Matthew 7, chapter 1, he says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, 
you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred, and do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they will trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. What an encouraging message to hear on a beautiful Sunday morning, right? As I said, this is a hard passage that we go into, that we dive into, and it's one that needs a lot of clarification that we need to dissect it and understand it. And this first big point that we're going to be focusing on, this first big step that we need to take, it's humility. We need to humble ourselves. We need to learn how to humble ourselves, and we actually need to make this application within our life. And the first step, the first point in this humility sphere, as we look humility in the face, the first step that we need to take is in verses 1 and 2. He says, do not judge or you too will be judged, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. This first thing we need to understand is who the real judge is. Now, in these verses, when judge is used, it's referring to the final judge, a once and for all judgment, the overarching judge, and that's God. That is not us, because one day we will all leave this planet, and we will all stand before God. He is the overarching judge, not us. That is his job. That is his responsibility. We need to stop acting like he handed us the baton. And we're the ones in charge, and we're the ones that can judge others as we wish. He is the overarching judge. And what becomes dangerous when we make ourselves the judge is that, well, we create the standards then at which we judge, right? We create our own standards at which we are to judge people because we judge people in a lot of different ways, right? By their income, by their family history, by the color of their skin, by their background and their sins and their mistakes, by their decision-making. We judge people based off of so many different standards that we have created on our own, but we need to realize we're not the judge, so we shouldn't be going by our standards, but we should be going by God's standard because he's the judge. In Romans 3.23, it says, for all have sinned and fallen short to the glory of God. We are all sinners. Not most, not some. We are all sinners. We have all missed the mark. We have all fallen short to the glory of God. The glory of God is his standard. It's perfection. What's amazing, when you read NLT, it actually says, for all have sinned and fallen short to God's glorious standard. I think that's why we, we need Jesus so much, right? I mean, we are all sinners. We have all missed that mark. Because of that, we are hopeless. We, we can't get through this life on our own. We are in need of forgiveness. We are in need of a Savior. We simply need Jesus. Because we are going by God's standard, not our own. 
And he tells us that we need to be careful with the measure that it is that we use, the standards at which we use, because whatever measure you use when you act like the judge and you judge others, that will be the same measurement God uses against you. So go ahead. Judge others harshly. Be obnoxious. If that's your measurement on how you look at others and judge others, that'll be the same measurement God uses when he judges you. We need to simply just sit back and let God do his job because that is his job and that is his responsibility. He is the overarching judge. We need to understand who the real judge is. The second thing we need to understand when it comes to looking humility in the face is we need to stop playing the comparison game. I mean, this is a game that we play often, right? There are so many participants in this game. I'm not going to stand up here and point the finger. I mean, I've played this game a lot of times too. What this game looks like is when you look into the lives of other people, you might look at their social media life, right? Because social media life is a lot different than their real life. You may look at their social media life. You may look at their successes and their mistakes. You might look at how beautiful their life looks or how rotten their life looks. What we do is we make these judgments, we make ourselves the judge, we judge others, and then based off of the judgments that we make of others, we put them on ourselves and then we judge ourselves. We play the comparison game. We need to stop because it is such a dangerous game to play. There is a group of people in the Bible that played this game often. And this same group of people are the people that Jesus consistently calls out. They're the Pharisees the religious leaders that exalted themselves and thought that they were so good and that they knew so much, but really on the inside, they were rotten. And Jesus specifically points this out in a parable. It's the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Now, just a little bit of context as far as what's going on in this. Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's teaching them, and right before this parable, he, he gives them another parable. It's the parable of the persistent widow, and the whole basis of that parable is he's teaching them about prayer, to be persistent in their prayer life, to continuously knock on God's door, to never stop praying. Now, after he told this parable to his disciples, some of them, it says, they were confident in their own righteousness, and they looked down on everyone else. Now, all of a sudden, there's pride that's starting to seep into their hearts. So to respond to that, Jesus teaches the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. He says this, two men went to a temple to pray, to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Now, the tax collectors were hated people. These were the ones that would pocket your own money. These were known as the enemies of that time. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all I get. Just pride is spewing out of his mouth. He's looking up to God, and he's like, God, thank you for making me so much better than everyone. I am truly awesome. 
God, thank you that you did not make me like the other rotten people in this world. Or <laughs> Thank you for not making me like this tax collector. I mean, look at all of the amazing things that I've done within my life. But look at the prayer of the tax collector. It says, he stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Humility just spewing out of his mouth. You know what the tax collector wasn't doing? He wasn't playing the comparison game, but the Pharisee was, because he was comparing his life to the tax collector. The tax collector could care less about what the Pharisee was doing in his life because he knew in his life that he was a sinner. He knew that there was something wrong about himself and that he was in need of God's mercy. He wasn't playing the comparison game. That's something that we all need to do. We need to have the same humility that he had. Because what the Pharisee was doing is he was playing the comparison game and he was exalting himself over everyone else. But what's so dangerous about playing this game is that there are no winners. When, you're, when you play the comparison game, you're not a winner. Because you can exalt yourself but you can also lower yourself to a point where you have no confidence in who you are. Now, I'm a soccer player, uh, and I just finished my freshman year of college at Clark Summit University, and we were not able to have a fall or spring season, but we did have a lot of practices. So with that, when I stepped onto campus in late August of 2020, now this is my first year of college, I'm stepping onto this campus. I'm stepping onto the field with all of my teammates on the team. And what I'm, I'm just looking at them and I'm thinking like, oh my goodness, what am I doing here? I mean, I'm looking at the talent and the skill level of all of these guys and I'm thinking to myself, like, I don't belong here. I, like, I don't match up to these guys. I mean, look at them. I, I was playing the comparison game at that time without even realizing it. And what happened was I just, I doubted myself. I had no confidence in who I was and, and being on that team. And what I forgot and what God had to remind me was that he's at work in my life. He's the one that's blessed me with the ability to play soccer. He is the one that has blessed me with the opportunity to be on that team. But because of me playing the comparison game, I forgot about that. And that's what happens when you play the comparison game. You forget about the work that God is doing in your life. It's a dangerous game to play. We all just need to stand away from it. The third point, as we look humility in the face, we understand it. We need to get this. We need to acknowledge the sin within our own hearts. I mean, look at what Jesus says in the next verses, in verses 3 and 4. He says, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take this speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? There is a plank in our own eye. Some other translations may say log. Some may say a beam of wood is in your eye. We need to acknowledge the sin that is within our hearts. And the key word in that statement is heart. Because sin is a heart issue, not a behavioral run. 
I mean, even though it does lead to behavioral issues, overall, when you look at the core of the problem, where it all starts, sin is a heart problem. Sin is what disrupts our thoughts. Sin is what disrupts our desires. Sin is what disrupts our vision and blurs our vision and affects the way that we see other people. It it, it all starts within our heart, and what we need to do is we need to acknowledge that sin that we have in our heart. What we need to do is we need to look in a mirror. We need to look at a mirror. We need to stare at it, and we need to see the sin that lies within our own heart. And when you look in the mirror and you acknowledge the sin that is on your heart and you look within your own heart, you flip your heart inside out, you need to make an honest self-evaluation. Don't just ignore what you see. Be honest. Because guess what? We have a God that we serve that knows your heart better than you know your own heart. There's no reason to hide it. So when we look in the mirror, we need to be transparent. We need to see what we see and what we see in our heart. Because when I look in this mirror, I see someone who needs to remind himself that this is all God's plan, not his own. And that he needs to let go of control. And that like God is the one in control, not him. When I look in this mirror, I I see someone who needs to stop wanting, but instead start praising God for everything that he already has. When I look in this mirror, I see someone who struggled with lust and still to this day is tempted every day by the enemy. When I look in this mirror, I see someone who needs to remind himself to not let pride seep into his heart, but he needs to humble himself because this life isn't about him. When I look in this mirror, I see someone who needs to live a life that's not self-centered, that doesn't put his hobbies and other people number one on his heart. But I need to be Christ-centered and put God number one on my heart. When I look in this mirror, I see a sinner who has messed up, who's made mistakes, who has missed the mark and fallen short to God's standard. When you look in the mirror and you look within your own heart, you need to be honest Acknowledge the sin within your heart. Acknowledge the plank that is within your own eye. And a great thing when, when you actually do this, when you call out the sin in your life, when you call your sin out, you're calling out the one who's tempting you with that sin. When you call out the sin in your life, you're calling out the enemy that you're fighting against. Because when you call him out, guess what? He doesn't like it. Because when you call him out, he's now vulnerable. We need to call out the sin that is within us. Because then when we call it out and we acknowledge it, it helps us to do this final thing that we need to do as we look humility in the face and humble ourselves, is we now need to do something about that sin. Look what Jesus says in verse 5. In this passage, he says, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye. He doesn't tell us to just acknowledge there's a plank in your eye. He doesn't tell us to, like, hey, I just want you to know and understand that you have a plank in your eye. No, he says, take it out. It's, It's good and all that we acknowledge the sin that's within our own heart, but we need to do something about it now. 
acknowledging your sin isn't enough. We need to do something about it. We need to see that plank, and now we need to act upon it. Because what, what's the use of just forgetting about what it is that we need to work on? That's why it's so important when, we, when you come to the church or when you listen to a message or when you read into God's Word that you don't just let everything go through one ear and out the other. That's why it's so important that when you read into the Word that you do what it says. Because in James chapter 1, it says when you read into the Word, when you listen to these messages, when you acknowledge the sin that's in your own heart, when you see what it is you need to do, but then you don't do it, it's the same as you looking into a mirror, seeing what you look like, and then leaving and forgetting what you look like. Acknowledging your sin isn't enough. We need to do something about it. I feel like there's so many of us that when we look into the Word, we read it, we leave it, and we forget about it. That's not what we're supposed to do. That's not what following Jesus looks like. What we need to do is we need to take the word and we need to dive into it and see what the applications are that we need to make within our own lives. We need to strive after transformation. In Romans 12, 2, it says, do not conform to the ways of this world. Do not copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind by changing the way that it is you think. That, that, that is the way that we can strive after transformation. We need to read into the word so that we can change the way we think. Because when you read into the word, God speaks to you. And it's one of those things that you don't experience until you actually take the time to do it. And when you read into the word, God speaks to you. And scripture, it acts like a mirror. And God speaks to you and everything, everything on your heart now becomes visible to you and you see it and you see what it is you need to work on. We need to make those applications within our own life. And this is what helps us to follow after Jesus. This is what it looks like to remove the plank from our eye. And once we finally take this step and we finally do this, we're then able to see clearly to move into this next step now. This next step, it's in, the, it's in the second part of verse 5. Matthew 7, 5, Jesus says, You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, then you will be able to see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Wait, what? Remove the speck? I mean, a lot of us, what happens when we look at this passage of judging others, we, we think the only takeaway is that I'm not the judge, and I'm not supposed to judge other people. Like, that's the only thing we think Jesus is saying here. But it's not. We are supposed to be helping our brother with removing that speck that is in his eye. Because when, like, there's a couple things that we need to understand about this step. This step, like, the first step was humility. This one is accountability. And there's a couple things that we need to understand about accountability, just like we did with humility. And first and foremost, you cannot step over here until you do the first step, until you humble yourself, because you need to be able to see clearly to keep your brothers and sisters in Christ accountable. Another thing that's, that we need to understand about accountability is that it is 
loving. Accountability is loving. A verse I want to read, John 15, 12. Jesus says this, My commandment is this, love each other as I have loved you. Accountability is loving. We need to love one another. And in order to do that, we need to understand what love is and what its definition is. And Pastor Josh explained this a couple weeks ago of what love looks like. And it's this, love is not a feeling. Love is the power. Love is the act of the will. Love is not a feeling. Love is action. Love is putting the needs of someone else before your own. Loving is having the best interest in others. Love is making sacrifices for other people. That's what love looks like. And accountability is loving. You want what's best for them, not for you. Love does not look like exalting yourself over them. Because that's something we can do sometimes, right? I mean, we're trying to help someone But all of a sudden, towards the end of the conversation, we're playing the one-up game, and we're just one-upping them with everything, and we don't even realize we're exalting ourselves over them when we're supposed to be helping them and loving them and having the best interest for them. Accountability is loving, not exalting. And the next thing we need to understand about accountability is that when it is done lovingly, it's powerful. It's so powerful. Now, a very popular verse that gets mentioned with accountability or helping others is Proverbs 27, 17, which says, as as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And that could not be more true. We are here to help one another. We are here to sharpen each other and to buff out the dull edges in our lives. We are here to point each other to Jesus. We need to know who he's referring to. He says, to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Our brother is referring to our brothers and sisters in Christ. The body of believers all over the world. All of us that are following after Jesus. We are all brothers and sisters in Christ. We are all here to help each other, help one another, and point each other to him. What makes this so powerful in 1 Peter 5, 9, it says this, resist him, referring to the enemy, resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. We have a body of believers all over the world, and guess what? We are all on the struggle bus. All of us are. Because Jesus never told us that following him would be easy, but that it would be worth it. We're all going through sufferings. We are all struggling. But that's why we're all here together. And just think this through with me. When the body of believers comes together, we all come together to help one another, to love one another, to sharpen each other and buff out those dull edges and point each other to Jesus. When we all come together and do that, Tell me that's not powerful. Tell me that's not encouraging. When accountability is done lovingly, it is powerful. The final thing that we need to get, we need to understand and grasp, is we need to be careful with who it is that we go to. 
And with that, like, we can finally, like, we can dive into this last verse that Jesus says that can be confusing. He says this, Matthew 7, 6, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they will trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. So inspiring, right? I mean, (laughs) when we look in this verse, it could be hard to interpret it at first, but that's why we need to break it down. So Jesus is referring to dogs and pigs, but we need to understand that what the animals he's talking about are the animals from his time, from the biblical times, 2,000 years ago. The dogs he's referring to are not the dogs that, like right now, that you may be cuddling with on the couch, these cute little puppies. (laughs) These aren't the dogs that Jesus is talking about, not the dogs that you're going to go run around later with in the dog park. No, he's, the dogs during this time, they were filthy. They were scavengers. They were dangerous. They would roam around in cities, sometimes in packs. You want to know about social distancing? They were social distancing from them. They were dangerous to humans. Same thing with pigs. The, the, the pigs he's referring to aren't these cute little pink pigs going oink, oink, running around the farm. No. These were dangerous pigs. And when, If you look at a scale of filth, they were the highest level. And they were so super dangerous to humans, you would stay away from them. These are the animals that Jesus is referring to in this verse. And he's saying, don't throw what is sacred. Don't throw what is holy. Don't throw your pearls to them because they will just trample them and tear you to pieces. What he's referring to is scripture. What he's referring to is the gospel and our, our desire to help one another. What I believe he's saying is this, is to not... Look to those people, the people that he's referring to are unbelievers who are unwilling to listen or hear to anything spiritual. And they will will constantly reject you and your help. Now, one thing I do need to clarify that I don't want you to think I'm saying is that when I don't believe Jesus is telling us that we need to be careful with who it is we share the gospel to as if we shouldn't be sharing it with everyone. Because that obviously doesn't add up with what the rest of Scripture says, right? We need to share the gospel with all living creatures. But when you do that, you will face persecution. And you will be rejected, and you will be constantly rejected. And what we shouldn't do is we shouldn't take this and start shoving the gospel down people's throats. Jesus is telling us that we need to be careful with who it is that we go to. And if there are people who are constantly rejecting us and our help, and there is someone that you are trying to help to not, he's telling us to shake the dust off our feet. He says that to his disciples. Not, Not too late, long in this passage in Matthew 10, Jesus, he sends out the disciples. He sends them out to teach and to do all of these miracles, but he tells them not to take anything with them. He tells them not to take anything, and he tells them that they're to look for a home or a house and just stay there. And this is what he tells them as he says and instructs them to look for a home. He says, as you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is deserving, if they accept you, if they are receptive to you and they are willing to listen to you, if they are deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, 
if it is not any of those things. Let your peace return to you. Then he says this, if anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. I believe that's something that he's telling us right now. When we, when we, go to, when we meet these people in our lives and they are constantly rejecting us and our help and they don't want to hear anything about what it is that we have dedicated our lives to. Jesus is telling us to shake the dust off our feet and keep walking. And that's what we need to do. We need to listen to his command. We need to shake the dust. We also, we need to love them still, right? Because Jesus never mentions anything about not loving them still. We need to love them. We need to love one another. And what we also need to do is we need to pray for them and pray that God would work in their hearts. One thing that we could fall into the trap to sometimes is limiting God's power and what he could do. But we need to understand that the God we serve, his power is limitless. We need to pray that God would work on their hearts. And they may not have been able to listen to us or maybe they weren't receptive to us, but guess what? God can work in their life some, like in another way, somehow. Because that's the God that we serve. We need to shake the dust off our feet, love them, and pray for them. And like this is the whole message, the whole idea that Jesus presents to us. And he's providing us in this passage, he's clarifying what judging others should really look like. And we need to take this first step of humility. We need to see who the real judge is, which is God. We need to stop playing the comparison game. We need to acknowledge the sin within our own hearts. And then we need to do something about it. We need to act upon it. We need to strive after transformation because then this helps us to see clearly to keep our brothers and sisters accountable because accountability is loving. And when it's done lovingly, it's powerful. When we all come together and sharpen one another and point each other to Jesus. And we also need to be careful with who it is that we go to. I know that that's a lot of information. But the biggest takeaway is this. The main takeaway is this. We need to humble ourselves. Striving after transformation from our sin so that we can see clearly to help our brothers and sisters in Christ and point them to Jesus. Because that's what this is all about. It's all about Jesus. It's all about us following him and becoming better disciples. And we could do that when we come together as the body of believers and sharpen one another and buff out those dull edges and point each other to Jesus. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you so much for this time that you've just blessed us with to dive into your word. And I pray that you would help us to take this message to heart, this teaching that Jesus provides for us. Help us to take it to heart, to make the applications that we need within our own life. Acknowledging the sin within our own life isn't an easy thing to do. As I could imagine, removing a plank from your eye probably doesn't tickle either. It's going to hurt. But it's something that we need to do, God. And I pray that you would move in all of our hearts, God, and help us to get to that point where we can humble ourselves and also keep each other accountable so that we can point each other to you, Lord, and serve you faithfully and come together, God. I pray that you would help us to be focused and dialed in on you and the work that you're doing in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.